welcome and you're listening to another episode of the Keep the Change podcast. We've got a very, very important guest in the studio today, one of the kings of property and a Keep the Change listener as well, which is very, very exciting. Scotty Muirson, good to see you as always, mate. Today we're going to go through A, what you do, but also to start with a bit more about your journey. You might have heard Mikey and I mention your name a couple of times on the pod. Just name dropping, eh? <laughs> just, just name dropping in there. Uh, and people probably have wondered, who is this Scotty Muirson that we speak of? And today we're going to get the chance to find out. So thank you, mate, for, for coming along. But firstly, this tune for Teller, Get Up Off the Floor. Is this a bit of an anthem when the uh, property market's going backwards? Oh, I thought it was a little bit fitting for that. And, um, yeah. you know, it relates a little bit to the story of what we'll touch on today. So Bloody oath. Well, we'll go back to the start for you, mate, because, well, maybe firstly, actually, do you want to tell uh, people what you do in now, your yeah. business? Yeah. So through smproperty.co.nz, if people want to want to find you, or TikTok, Instagram, etc. Like, follow, subscribe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All of that. All of the above. Yeah, so we run SM Property. Uh, so essentially, it's new build real estate. So we got into it. We started off with, with working with developers. Yeah. Um, so... We realised there was a bit of a gap in the market between how a developer sells a product and how the home buyers and investors understand that product. So we really wanted to sort of, I guess, make the process a little bit smoother, how people can get into property, along with the government making everything a little bit easier for new builds too. Um, through that process, we realised that a lot of Kiwis don't know how to get into property. Um, so... A lot of the stuff we're doing now is content-based. How do we handhold people through that process? Um, helping the first home buyers understand the KiwiSaver grants or the KiwiSaver withdrawals, first home grants, and how do you even buy a bloody property? Yeah. Um, so it's about making everything smoother, easier, and trying to get away from like the typical real estate agent. Can we say bullshit? Say what you like, yeah. mate. They'll call you, not me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we are licensed agents, um, so you do have the protections of the REA and all that side of things as well. Yeah. Um, and we just don't operate like a normal real estate agency, which I think is the main thing that Kiwis want. So, let me just uh, step this out for people. So, you know, if we compare, say, a real estate agent, we're basically going to list a property or a, a unit or something to sell and you may get in touch with them and they're basically going to try and sell it to you as quickly as possible. You've kind of probably thought, well, look, there's a, a gap here in terms of content and actually helping people go through that process so you've built out that journey to make it a lot easier for people. Is that Would that be fair? Yeah, pretty much. So it's, when we've got a client that comes to us, it's not about the property that they inquired on. And I think that's the main thing and that's what I teach the team. Is it's like, say Luke gives us a call and says, hey, I really want to look at... 28 Westgate Drive, for instance, plug in yeah. that development there. <laughs> um, we literally just call up and say, hey, thanks for your inquiry. You know, we'll give you this information, but what are you looking for? Like, yeah. what stage of the journey are you at? Have you got pre-approval? Have you got, you know, your ducks in a row? Can you even afford this property? Can we help you out on this journey? Can we put you in touch with a mortgage broker? Can we put your team together and handhold you? Yeah. And can we show you every other option that we have that might suit better? Yeah. Because they might have just come across that property for sale and they're right at the, the start of the journey of thinking like, that's the one, let's just roll with that, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, and, and that's where a lot of Kiwis, you know, they jump on Trade Me, they yeah. look at some stuff, they inquire with an agent and the typical agent would literally, might not even give them a call, they'll send them the information and they're in the dark. Yeah. They don't know what the next step is. 
they don't know if they like that property or not. Um, and so it's about for us helping those people through that journey of going, hey, let's show you all the options. Is that one the right one for you? Can we find you a better property? Can we help negotiate that deal for you and get you the best deal? Yeah. Even though we are paid by the developers and our vendors like a normal agency. Um, Which is no know, different to a, a home seller yeah. selling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So we're still paid the same as a real estate agent. However, we've just got that a little bit more care to our clients because we get paid the same by all the developers. It doesn't yeah. really matter if you buy off ABC Builders Limited or XYZ. Yeah. You know, we don't care. We just want to help you through the journey. And do you have to go and build those relationships with those developers to figure out what they're selling to yeah. start with as well? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. So that's that's this my thing. main position is going out, finding the properties. We do a lot of due diligence on who we're working with. Yeah, I was going to say. Because like, <laughs> reputation's everything in this game, right? Oh, so, exactly. They don't yeah. get the heat if they don't build the house. We yeah. do. Gotcha. Um, so our clients want us to look after them, make sure that their product's going to get delivered. Um, so a lot of it comes down to us going, hey, who are these guys? What do they do? What's your reputation? Are they actually going to build what they say they're going to build? Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's going to be paramount over the next couple of years, I think, as well. So I think that's where we've got the, you know, I guess the point of difference to a normal real estate agent that just takes a listing, puts it on, hopes mm. for the best. Um, we've got the reputation to uphold and um, make sure that we've got the good stock. So the bulk of the people you deal with, first home buyers? Yeah, it's definitely flipped hugely. Like during, I've, I guess, the last few years, we would, I guess, 60, 40 to investors. Okay, 60% uh, investors? Yeah. 40. Oh, well. Yeah. Yep. We've always, I guess, prioritised our first home buyer clients um, and we always, I guess, try and look after the first home, sorry, we look after the first home buyers and look after the investors as well. But yep. I've naturally always had an inclination of wanting to look after the first home buyers because I feel like that's where the gap in the market is yeah. and their understanding of, you know, these people don't know what, they don't know. Yeah, and so they probably need a lawyer, they need an advisor, they need to figure out the KiwiSaver, there's probably the first home uh, Oh, the grant. amount of people that just don't understand that you can actually use your KiwiSaver wow. is outrageous, <laughs> um, let alone first home grants. Um, Do you yeah. want to explain how those first home grants work? Because I genuinely don't know. I mean, you know, mate, that I bought a property <laughs> in the mighty Howder and then uh, rinsed that property in Vegas, so uh, <laughs> I think I got a grant, but I can't remember, I don't know what the latest rules are. Yeah, so pretty much with an existing property, each um, each person that's going into the property can get up to $5,000 on an existing property um, as long as they've been contributing over three years and up to the three-year mark, I mean the five-year mark, sorry. So yeah. it starts at three grand, goes up to five grand depending on how many years they've been contributing. Uh, and maxes out at five. Yep. yep. On a new build though, they can do up to 10000 so that doubles. So wow. it starts at 6000 goes up to 10000 if they've been contributing five years. And so two couple... No, two couples. Two yeah, people right. and a couple can literally get up to twenty grand on a new build property to put towards their deposit. Yeah, wow. Okay. Which is free money. It doesn't have to be repaid unless you sell that property within six months of settlement. So you've got yeah. to live in the property for six months. Yeah. Um, there are house price caps. So in Auckland, it's eight seventy five, which is actually hugely high now. Mm. You know, the government kindly upped it during the peak of the market, and prices have obviously come down. So there's a huge amount of properties in, under that cap now. Yeah. Um, and in all the other regions, yeah, you can jump on the KO website and find out, Kainga or a website to find out the limits. So that's why it's probably smart for young people who want to buy a property, especially a new build and especially in a relationship, to be contributing to KiwiSaver for probably that five years leading into buying their property, right? Yeah, exactly. So then, they can get, yeah. then they're getting effectively another potentially 10 rack. Yeah. Yeah. On top of the contributions. So, I mean, when we talk about return on investment, right? Like That's huge. These people put in 3%. The employer puts in 3%. They get the 1,000 
you know, 1,042 yeah. a year, you know, oh, sorry, the 540, 521, yeah. 521 top up. Um, you know, and if they do that for minimum three years, they can turn that couple of grand into six grand free money. Yeah. Pull that out, put it towards your deposit and buy a house. Wow. Like, it's got to be a new build though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For, not, not for, for the, for the, yeah, for yeah. the big chunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah gotcha. Yeah. And the reason it's new builds because in terms of being able to get the the ten grand, that's because the government are trying to incentivize houses to be built new, right? Because the house that I lived in in Harwater that had leaky windows <laughs> and, and uh, wooden frames, you know, those are older, so we're wanting to try and replace the stock with new homes. Yeah, I'm assuming that's why they did it. Yeah. Um, it's the only real reason why it makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. I guess at the time as well, when they first brought it out, new builds were a lot more expensive than existing. Yeah, It sort of flipped itself on the head a little bit at the moment. But yeah, it does make sense that the government would want to encourage the odd um, the odd people to get into the new build side of things. And what about the, is it Kyanga Aura, um, the equity model? Where yeah, you so can, first home partner. So yeah, that's not Kyanga Aura, is it? Yep, or is it? Yep. it is. So okay. that is another Kyanga Aura product. So they've got a couple. So you've got the first home grant, you've got first home partner, which is the shared ownership scheme. And then you've got first home loan. Um, first home loan is pretty much they're guaranteeing your debt on a lower deposit, so 5%. First home partner is a really interesting one. They brought it out about 18 months ago. We heard about it pretty pretty early on. Um, we were one of the first companies to do a deal through them. And I think to this date, we've done about 13 or 14 of them. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, last February they reported that there was 12 deals had gone through and we had done, I think, four of them out of the whole country. So effectively, they own a portion of your property, so you're not having to borrow as much. Yeah, pretty much. So it works really well in a situation where like, you've got maybe a couple with kids where their servicing is getting hammered, so they can't afford a bigger mortgage because of the, the dependents and everything like that. Yeah. But they need a three-bedroom property. They might be able to get the loan to be able to buy a two-bedroom, but they can borrow that extra equity from Kaing Aura and leverage that up to buy a three-bedroom property that might last them you know, 10, 10 years or for life. I see. Um, it can also help the single people where we find that essentially their dependents get hammered. Um, sorry, like their servicing gets hammered by, you know, maybe a, it's a marriage breakup and then you've got a single person with two kids. Um, they might be able to buy, you know, that two-bedroom property where realistically they wouldn't have been able to get on the market themselves. Got so it, there's a few little things that we, I guess, work through clients with on that scheme as well. Um, essentially... They need to be under 130k income. So when you've got a couple, especially with the rise of, infla- rise of um, inflation, inflation, and obviously um, the incomes rising in the last six months, we've seen obviously a few people getting caught out of that scheme. Yeah. Um, but there are private people that do that as well, along with like you own. Um, so they're pretty much the same, but privately owned. Um, but yeah, there's definitely options out there with people. So I see. So there's you own. I've never heard of them. So they have. Do they? give you money or do they yeah so, so roughly they, the they same. take a percentage i see ownership of the property too yeah and then essentially you buy out their share at down the line. Day. yeah yeah at, at the new value so their equity that hope has gone up yeah oh yeah and Jeez. so that's where like we always say to clients you know be really careful about what the market's doing because mm. the equity position is increasing along with the market right so um you know, Mikey's probably a little bit better to talk to about this, but what we tend to find is essentially banks will start reducing like their restrictions on essentially the ability to borrow money as the market sort of turns. That is the point where you want to start refinancing these shared ownership schemes out because 
it's easier to get money, but prices haven't gone up. Got you. So as the market turns back up, which yep. is obviously what you favour because you love property, um, <laughs> we'll get to. But so then you want to refinance out so that you're not losing cash to equity yeah. uh, increases for the other party. Yeah, 100%. So it's like currently you might be able to service 500K. Yeah. Um, when the market sort of turns and the banks start losing their criteria, they might go, oh, yes, yeah, sweet. We can definitely loan you 600K now. So you buy some of your equity back. Yeah. And then you could go to Kai, KO, Crying Aura, and say, you know, we've got this other 100K from the bank now. Can we buy back your position? Essentially, their value hasn't gone up. You've bought yeah. them out at the same amount. But if you wait potentially a couple of years and your property value's gone up 30%, yeah. their position's also gone up 30% and it's going to be harder to buy in again. So then you need more debt to buy that equity back because the uh, value's higher. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. So, yeah, okay. This is probably a good place to say we aren't financial advisors. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so make sure you uh, speak to a financial advisor and a mortgage broker before you... Um, but it's you it's know. cool to see that there's so many different ways to skin a cat, right? Oh, 100%. And I think that's the thing like, you know, I spend more of my time training my sales team, my sales agents, essentially on how to get a deal across the line. Yeah. You know, it's not about like finding the property for the person and all that sort of things. It's like... Once we've got that property, how do we get this person successfully through the deal? Um, and so many agents just don't understand. You know, they get a contract and they're like, sweet, yeah, I'm going on holiday. It's going to go through. Yeah. But for us, I reckon 90% of our job is after we sign a contract with someone. And do you specifically focus on Auckland and some of the cities or what's Yeah, so, go? I mean, we, I'm a Christchurch boy through and through. Um, so... It was, it was easy there because um, most of my family is sort of in property down there, so it was quite easy to pick up developers essentially from Christchurch yeah. um, straight away. So we actually launched Christchurch in Auckland from the get-go when we started the company. Um, I say we, it was me starting the company. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They sound bigger. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sound bigger. Um, and then last year we launched into Wellington pretty much as the market crashed um, right cool. after 2021, you know. Um, it was quite interesting because... Before then, Wellington developers didn't really want to speak to another agency. They weren't having issues with sales. All of a sudden, February 22 rocks around and they're going, holy shit, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when we sort of said, hey, like, we might be able to help out. Like, we've got people on the books. They just need this helping hand of explaining how the process works. So we launched into Wellington last year, which I think has been, you know, really good. Depending on the Wellington listers, it's actually lower heart. Yeah. Um, we actually, apparently it's a, a very different areas. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Even though you Wikipedia Lower Hut says Lower Hut Wellington. Um <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been a journey, that's for sure. And I think like we love our Wellington clients. They're they're super friendly bunch and um yeah, they seem to be the most, I guess, forthcoming with open to every option yeah. to get a deal across the line. So for you to build up a database of all these people who are potentially looking to buy or buy an investment property, so first home buyers and investors and whatnot, you've got to go out there and you've got to find all of these people, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's like the real interesting model because everyone goes, ain't you just a normal agency? And we're like, well, no, nah, we pretty much get no vendor paid marketing. Mm. Um, so the developers don't pay us marketing fees because most of them might have their own sales channels. So they go, well, why wouldn't we just build our own brand? Yeah. Um, so it's been real interesting because I think we're probably one of the only, I guess, agencies that we rely on our own dollars to invest. Yeah. Um. And you'd probably like this because a lot of it comes down to pretty much going, hey, can we put a dollar into this and generate three? Mm. You know, if we spend $1,000 on marketing this property, do we think we can sell 30 of them? So you would have had to really learn the game of marketing through this Yeah, as 100%. Well, right? And I think that's where, like, I think we're a little bit differently because 
I'm more a marketer and knowing how to get a deal across the line than I would say I'm a salesperson. Mate, I think I'm probably the same as compared to being an accountant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like sometimes I've started thinking recently when people ask what I do, if I should just say, oh, I do the marketing for next advisory. <laughs> yeah. um, and even keep the jar, a couple of podcasts, do the marketing for an accounting practice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Instead of being, oh, I've got my own accounting practice, people are like, oh, fuck, cool, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think like the funny thing is, is like when you're talking to marketers and you're like, oh, what's your, you know, what's your CPC at the moment? You know, what's your cost per lead? And they're like, how do you even know this? Like, yeah. You know, it's about knowing the numbers. And I think, like, when we do take vendor-paid marketing, we know where it's going. Like, we can pretty much guarantee, like, we're getting a lead for this, we're getting a lead for that. Yeah. We know that we can convert X amount of leads. Um, and so I think that provides a lot of clarity to our developer clients of going, hey, like, if you are going to take this, you know, if we are going to give you the money, we know what we're going to get out of it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, like, the traditional real estate approach of, you know, they, some of them oh. charge, like, 500 bucks for a signboard. And I'm like... We we chucked some signboards up the other day to try and test them, but we put like tracking codes on them. Yeah, like literally no one scans a signboard. Eh? Like this <laughs> waste of money. Yeah. Um. So it's been quite interesting to sort of like test and develop, I guess, our marketing and go, hey, what's the best avenue that we can go down? Where do we get the best clients from, and how do we help these people? And like we've used everything from influencer marketing to social media to Google Ads to you know I guess Facebook, you know, literally email. everything. Right. Yeah. What like, sort of email list have you got? I think we're around twenty odd thousand wow. now. Yeah, like it's a grunty list. You've you've had a couple of plugs to keep the change in there. I've seen their followers increase. I'm oh, like, wow, what's going on here? Yeah, and I yeah. think that's a cool thing. Like a lot of people are protective of their lists. Mm. You know, we're more about like what can we do to help. Like if we if we plug keep the change right, that person might buy a house off us in five years time because they actually sorted out their accounts. Yeah, you know, they cleared that debt. They got rid of the buy now pay later. Mm. they might turn around and be like, oh yeah, like I heard about this through that and I heard about that through that. Hey, how do I do this property in a thing now? Yeah. You know, it's about the long game and I think like if there's one thing I can leave, you know, for the world, it's essentially that. Like how do we help more people into home ownership? But also how do we, you know, you're like this, but how do we actually help people realize whether they actually need to be in home ownership? Mm. There's actually people out there that should be renting. Okay, t- tell me, t- t- like, are you speaking to me? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, like, I was, I was meeting with a client the other day and I was, like, sitting there and they're like, oh, we really want this East Auckland suburb and we, you know, we really want to be close to family and all this kind of things and we've only got a budget of this. And I was like, sweet. Like, you can probably pick between, like, three shit boxes. Yeah. You know, like, or you can rent a really nice property in that suburb for six fifty, seven fifty. Um. And if you put that money towards buying an investment property in an area that's got a bit of growth because the area you want to be in is not actually growing that well, yeah. you know, aren't you better off investing in property somewhere else and renting where you want to live? Nice. It's like when you think like, you know, I always use my house as an example. Like, you know, we might have one point, I don't know, 1.6 tied up in a property. If we rented it out, we'd probably only get a thousand bucks a week. But we're paying probably like three grand in interest costs a month. Mm on the mortgage. It makes no real sense from a monetary perspective if we could go rent that property in that really nice area for the same money. Are we not potentially better off having that property, you know, in other properties or other assets classes to generate a better income? So you mean you've tied up your own equity in your property is what you're saying? Like you want to yeah. unlock that? Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but obviously there's like different aspects yeah. to it, but 
you know, the nitty yeah. gritty of it is sometimes you're better off if you want to be in those nicer areas, just renting a beautiful property. And, you know, that's what Mikey does. Yeah. You know, Mikey's got a nice house in a nice area and obviously fills the rooms up with people. But <laughs> <laughs> He runs a dorm, mate. Eh? Yeah. Seems, seems, seems to be fine still uh, being back at high school with every room full of people, but they seem to love it. But, okay, so... I understand what you're saying because people will go, oh, you know, I always hear, um, oh, but you're paying someone else's mortgage. What a waste of money if, you know, if you're renting. But what you're saying is, okay, so rent, we want to be, but then still use the funds that you'd built up to buy an investment property. Well, it doesn't even need to be an investment property, right? Like, for the sake of the conversation, you know, we are property people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's exactly what, like, I did to start off with. My first two properties were investment properties. Um, so I think, you know, at the time I was in the Air Force, um, that's another story in itself, Yeah, how we got there. But essentially, like, we had pretty cheap rent. There was no real point in me buying in Auckland and the fact that we got priced out of Auckland when it was back at 450k. Um, yeah. My income was obviously a little bit lower then, but the thing was it made more sense to buy an investment property in Hamilton that was 340k and it was bringing in, like, 400 bucks a week rent. So the cash flow pretty much paid the property. Yeah. But if I put that 450k maxed out my pre-approval and bought an Auckland property, you know, I might have had to have six flatmates to help pay down the mortgage. Mm. But because I had cheap rent and I was like willing to take that sacrifice as a 22-year-old and live with six other people to have cheap rent, you know, it made more financial sense at the time. Yeah. So you really dig deep into each of the people you meet with to figure out exactly like why you're doing this. You've given them sort of other options and stuff and just give them different angles by the sounds of things. Yeah, and I think that's the thing like, a lot of people come to us and the reason they want to buy a house is because they feel they should. They feel they should. Yeah. Yeah. It could be parents jumping on. Yeah. <laughs> they feel, okay, let's dig into feel. Yeah. Uh, let me guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's like ticking, ticking the boxes, right? Get the white picket fence and, you know, yeah. get shacked up. And, you know, sometimes that doesn't make sense, especially if, like, these people want to go on overseas for a period of time. Like, you know, there's different things to do, right? So it's about working out hold up, why are we buying this property? And, you know, should we be buying something else? Yeah. Because if they are going to, like, go overseas for a couple of years, well, you might as well buy it based on, the like, the rental property metrics of buying an area with good growth. It's going to attract good quality tenants, close to transport connections, you know, all that metrics, as opposed to going, oh, I really want to be in Ponsonby. You know, yeah. I want to be able to stumble back from the bars. Yeah. You know, you're better off renting that place for a couple of years, buying a, buying a good property in another area and, you know, doing it that way. I like it, mate, because that's what I think you, you probably, because you've been in the game so long, think about so many of the little things that people wouldn't think about. Yeah. And they would just see the the place in Ponsonby or they've been to a party in Ponsonby, for instance, or wherever, you know, around New Zealand and gone like, yeah, I want to live in that area. But then don't realise that that could just be a phase or a season, right? And then, oh, did you actually really want to bring kids up there? Mm, probably not. But should we have brought that house? Uh, yeah. Looking back, maybe we should have done this differently. But at the moment, we don't, in the moment, sorry, we don't really think longer term, right? We're just basically like, let's just make a decision in the here and now and see <laughs> yeah. what happens. Yeah. And yeah. I think like I'm guilty of it too. Like I'm a, I'm a split second, yeah. you know, decision maker. But I think the majority of people, they do make the right call. Um, but it's about looking, you know, property, property should always be a five, 10 year horizon, if not longer. So it's like if you're buying a house to then sell in two years time, one, you might not make anything on it. The, thing, the people that make the most money out of transactions and property transactions are well, property oh. nah, nah, agents. Yeah. You know, like we've, we've got a couple of properties at the moment that they bought a couple of years ago 
and they're pretty much selling for what they bought it for. Wow. But realistically, they're taking a loss, right? Because they've got to pay us and they've got to pay marketing. They've got to mm. pay the lawyer's fees and all that stuff. So they're actually moving backwards. Yeah. So if, if you're literally buying to, you know, live in that property Trade. for two, two, three years, you're literally taking a gamble on the fact that, you know, you might not make anything. Yeah. Just because, you know, you wanted the comfort of being in the area and owning your own, own house. I think some of it's probably the pressure too of, you know, I heard this through growing up and whatnot, I'm sure others did. It's like the sooner you're on the property market, the better, or on the property ladder, the better. And, it's, and you, then you've got this, we just create this level of FOMO all the time of sort of, well, if you're not in, you're you you're, know, you're doing something wrong and yeah. you're missing out and it's just going to take longer. And, and and I guess that's proven correct over the last 40 years because property's just continued yeah. to, to skyrocket up, right? So you can see where it comes from. Um, but I'd imagine that probably increases the speed at which people make potentially the wrong decision. Yeah, 100%. And mm. I think we saw that, you know, during 21. Yeah, I mean, I was even ringing you up, mate. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what's he doing? I think I gave you the right advice. So. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I probably should have got that place. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, that's the thing. Like, people do rush into these decisions. And sometimes, you know, we always tell our clients, like, every contract you sign with us is going to have a 10-day due diligence clause anyway. And so that means that, you know, should you wake up tomorrow or fall out of bed and break your arm, you can literally cancel the contract. Yeah. Um, and the reason, like, you know, the de- a lot of the developers, they always want the cleanest contract possible, but it's like, from our security perspective, like, we want people to be able to know, like, you've made th- this decision to buy this exact property. Have a think about it. Yeah. You know, talk to your lawyer, talk to your mortgage broker, make sure that you've covered all your bases. Yeah. Um, and if, it, if you don't think it's the right fit, cancel it. I this might be off limits. You may not be able to speak about it because you effectively then talk about clients. So feel free to say, no, we can't discuss it. But I've been reading recently about how people may go to buy a property back in 2021 where things were just cranking yeah. and the prices were quite high, but they're not drawing the debt down yet. Uh, yeah. But now they're coming to and the property price is less than original or what it was when they signed up for it. And potentially they struggle to um, actually get the deal done. Is that is that... What happens loosely? Yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, I don't think we've seen the hurt of it yet. Um, partly because a lot of the properties that were sold in the peak of the market got delayed because of lockdowns, got delayed because of council, you know. Um, so, a lot of the properties that were sold during the peak of the market were, I guess, settling soonish. You know, they might have 12, 18 month build times. Um, so, I don't think we've probably seen the hurt of it yet. Um, we haven't, as a company, I guess, seen a huge amount of it like there is a couple it's more situations where you know someone's gone oh like i've actually gone over to aussie now like i've gone overseas i've got a better job in aussie now i can't settle the property because they're scaling back my income um and they just don't want the property um as opposed to i guess people financially hardshipped because of bank servicing rates yeah um like we have had one or two um but we've worked through that solution we were lucky, I guess, in the fact that we always do a lot of due diligence with the developers. They're always quite willing to get a deal across the line. Um, and I guess we never really sold anything that I think was stupidly overpriced. Yeah. Um, we were always in that sort of, I guess, bottom third of the market where we could, I guess, say to people and be like, hey, it's probably 50K below the other one down the road, but we actually don't think that's the value of the market. Yeah, I see. Um, so I think there are some people that are going to be in a bit of hurt. Yeah. Um. I'm not really sure how that's going to play out, but, you know, it's, a, it's hard to know until it happens, right? Well, that's right, yeah. I mean, I've even had a mate who was getting a new build done and the developer uh, keep getting delayed and then basically came back and said, hey, 
going to have to kick in another 50 Gs here. Yeah. And that was basically, it is what it is. And went back to the lawyer, et cetera, went through that process. And then luckily the bank were like, yeah, we can give you that, that 50 grand. Yeah. He was able to borrow that. Um, but otherwise, I think, yeah, I, I don't know where he would have tried to find that 50 Gs from. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's not many people that can quietly whip out 50 Gs. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's I mean, normally a solution. And I think that's a big thing. Like there's probably, you know, people listening here that might have done the same thing. They might have bought something off the plans, might be, you know, a little bit, I guess, in a bit of a pickle, they're not really sure what's going to happen. I think the biggest thing people need to know is to talk to your team. Um, the ones that we've had the most issue with is where they buried their head in the sand and they sort of like left it until the last minute and then they're like, hey, how do we deal with this? We're looking at the property and we're doing pre-settlement inspections, but I can't really settle the property. I didn't get finance. You know, like, okay, like, when did you find this out? And they're like, ah, oh, like three months ago. And you're like, cool, like, brilliant, like, yeah. We've got time to talk to the developers now, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Not. So I think like that's the thing. Like if if anyone is in that situation, talk to your agent, talk to your lawyer and just say, Hey, like we're really struggling with finance. Um, always try, you know, different lenders as well. It might not be cheap, you know. Um, that's where, you know, Mikey's probably a little bit better to speak about it, like non bank lenders. Yeah. They might not be cheap, but it's better than losing a deposit. So it could be a short term higher cost of debt. For yeah. a second tier lender, for instance, and then that gets you through the this sp- pain point. Yeah. yeah. So you might be able to get that for a year. The market might recover slightly, or it's just to the point where you can settle the property. Yeah. Get an agent to market and sell it, and you know, hopefully, you get the same sort of price that you bought it for. Yeah. Got you it. might only lose like your agent's cost as opposed to defaulting on a contract and losing your deposit and getting sued for the balance of the losses. Yeah, I imagine losing a deposit for a lot of people would be oh like, heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, there's not many people that can walk around New Zealand and say, oh, if I lost 70K, I, I wouldn't be upset about yeah, it. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. our first home buyers. Like, the last thing we want is, like, literally their KiwiSaver balance is going to zero. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably, you know, try not to be political here, but I think the government probably doesn't quite realise how, I guess, the position that they're going to put some people in in the next three to six months. And yeah. the people that are probably going to hurt are the first home buyers. Yeah, I see. You know, the investors will probably go, oh, yeah, sweet, we can pull 60K equity out of that other property or our own home, you yeah. know, or, you know, I guess service the ability of a third-tier lender. Um, but, yeah. So the those people that are going to hurt, is that because the property value that they've sought to buy has effectively come back and... Yeah, I mean, there's a few different circumstances. I mean, if the valuation on completion doesn't stack up to the purchase price, then... They won't get the debt? They Is won't get the debt, pretty yeah. much. The bank won't ever loan for the balance of the... I mean, the lower of the valuation or the purchase price. So if the valuation's lower, they're only going to loan 80% of that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's going to... Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I heard a story about someone just rolling around uh, putting in unconditional offers without actually even understanding if they could get access to finance. Was that you? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> and then getting a rude shock when someone sort of sat down with them and was like, hey, that's not how the process works here. Oh, there's <laughs> so many of those clients around. Like, okay, not as many as like it made it sound out. Um, yeah. But there's people that like rock up, they'll look, you know, they'll, they'll look at six properties with us and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, I can definitely do about 100K. And you're like, sweet. Like, you know, can we have, a cheeky, yeah, your pre-approval. And they're like, oh, we haven't spoken to a broker yet, but I've got 80K deposit. Yeah. Like, okay, sweet. Like, that's cool. But what's your income? What's your, yeah. you know, expenses and all that? And then you put them to a mortgage broker and then all of a sudden they can lend like 400. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, they might have 80K with a personal debt. And you're like, sitting there going like, whoa, these, like, I just wasted an afternoon with this person. But yeah. 
um, get them off the list, mate. Yeah, <laughs> there's definitely some people out there, I guess, that are a little bit naive about what they can afford. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the big thing about what we try and encourage with our clients is don't spend your maximum. Like, if you can get away with that two bedroom as opposed to the three bedroom, you know, I've been saying this for years. It's like all the people that we bought the two bedroom now, when they could have probably stretched for the three bedroom, are yeah. probably sitting here going like, oh, that would have been real difficult at these interest rates. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I haven't had a thanks text yet, but, you know, <laughs> if any of them are listening, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> I know you're a bit of a Gary Vee fan, mate, and this reminds me, years ago, he was cranking out content repeatedly about the biggest opportunity for people was to fucking sell their third bedroom in their house or something or just accept how they don't use it and how, like, why did they even get it in the first place? He's oh. always so far ahead of his time, eh? Yeah, sure, yeah. I think that, that content's gold, eh? Like, we, we do quite a bit about, like, wants and needs. Yeah. Um, and it's like, different suburbs can cost you, like, 100k more and it's two minutes drive down the road. Wow, yeah. Like, especially in Christchurch. Like, Christchurch is such a small town, like, you know, sorry to any Christchurch people. Small town. Yeah, it is <laughs> It is a small town. It's like everything's 15 minutes away, like, you know. So it's like between two suburbs, like across one road could be a 100K difference. Yeah. You know, like, do you really need to be on the other side of that road? Mm. You know? Um, you know, or the difference between a two-bedroom and a three-bedroom can be like 75 to 100K. Wow. Do you know what most people use their third-bedroom for? Uh, nothing. Probably storing. Pretty Storage. much. Yeah. yeah. And like, we're... You know, I'm guilty of it as well. Like, you know, one of our bedrooms is just a, you know, a guest suite that I think gets used once or twice a year. Yeah. You know, and that's like 100K a year, like 100K value yeah. tied up in that that third bedroom, right? And so I think that's where, like, with our first home buyers, it's like, can we convince them somehow of going, how about we look at the two-plus study? You know, if you want that office because you might end up working from home, look at a two-plus study as opposed to a proper three-bedroom. And that's where you've got the ability because you've you're working with the developers or you're like you're going through and studying the market so you know what options there are, right? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And like we've got hundreds of properties available. Yeah, like we've got access to so much stock. Like there's not many developers that we don't work with, um, especially from like the big, big top names. Um, so I think that's the thing. You know, when you're talking to us, we know exactly. You know, a two bedroom in West Auckland is going to be a minimum. You know, seven hundred k. A three bedroom is going to be minimum eight seventy five. Yeah. And so when we're talking to you and you go, oh, yeah, I think I can get approved for 875, we can go, hey, you can probably get a three-bedroom, but, you know, have a look at these two bedrooms as well. You can't afford the North Shore, you can't afford East, you can't afford that. So these are going to be your suburbs of choice. Mm. People don't like it, but, you know, yeah. like sometimes you've got to, you know, give them the options and then they come back two months later and be like, oh, yeah, we understand now. It's not, what's that saying? It's not um, that your first home's not your forever home? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's not many people that go out there and, I guess, dream to live in a two-bedroom townhouse for the rest of their life. Mm. 80% of our stock is a two-bedroom townhouse. But that's because that's where the first home buyer market is. That's where the price point is. Um, and I think that's where, you know, you think from a young professional couple, that's all they need. You know, do they even need a second bedroom? I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, at least you've got a second bedroom to work from home and extra storage space, you know, that sort of things. Um, the two-bedroom market's also a little bit more resilient than the one-beds. Um, so I think, like, that's where we, I guess, need to change the narrative a little bit um, as Kiwis. I'm not a big fan of the apartment market, so that's why we only ever sell freehold townhouses. Yeah. Um, but I think that's where, you know, I guess if we can change that narrative with the young first-home buyers to go, hey, do you actually need that three-bedroom house with the white picket fence and the 800 square metres? 
when you don't even like mowing lawns anyway. Oh, I hate mowing like, lawns. <laughs> <I'd say. laughs> I'd give her those robots if yeah. I had a lawn. I know, I was literally looking at them the other day. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Turns out it's cheaper to just pay someone to mow the lawns than buy a robot lawnmower. Is it? Yeah. Wow, interesting. They're like three grand. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Three Gs. It'd be just a test a of expense, mate, for one of your rentals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Capitalise that. You're the accountant, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoops, that is not tax advice. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's tuck into a little bit of your journey, mate. So, are we allowed to say how many properties you've got, or are you uh, Yeah, yeah, them? we're pretty open about it. Um, me and my partner, Kayla, like, we, we do have 10, 10 currently. Um, yep. That includes the house and the batch. Um, oh, sorry about <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we do have one that's still to be completed. Um, that said it was this, this uh, June, I think, this year. So, yeah, um, yeah nine complete properties, um, two that are owned separately by me that I bought into the relationship separately. Yeah. So quite fitting with the relationship property agreement stuff yeah. you were talking about the other day. Nice. Um, and that's that's another thing we always try and tell clients as well, especially when we see a bit of a disparity between the, I two. guess, the ownership. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, nice. Yeah. So... Yeah, where do you want to start? All right, well, so you were um, in the Air Force, right? Oh, no, let's go back before that. So you at school. What yeah. do you think about school? Thoughts on school? Well, looking back now, I think like a lot of it turns up to the fact that I'm actually ADHD. Outstanding. <laughs> yeah, and I only found that out about two years ago. It, mate, this is so common at the moment. I was talking about this on the pod uh, the other week or the other month, but clients are saying it as well. Oh, I think it's... I think. If you look at pretty much any business owner, you sort of have to be a little bit on the spectrum <laughs> yeah, to yeah. enjoy it, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to know what I'm fucking diagnosed with. Oh, I'm like, exactly. Just let me roll. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like, if you know how to can, you know, use it to your advantage, it's, it's beneficial, right? Yeah. Um, but like looking back to school, I was a smart kid. Um, you know, I, I was always in the top classes doing pretty well. I didn't turn up much. Um, and I think that's what annoyed the teachers a little bit. Um, but the thing Scotty doesn't apply himself in yeah, class. Hundred percent right. Every yeah. report, right? Um and so looking back now, I think obviously that makes a lot more sense. Um however, I didn't like school. Um, you know, I enjoyed it in the fact that it challenged me a little bit, but you know, it was I guess relatively easy. I wanted to leave school at fifth form, dad said no. Um he pretty much got to sixth form, dad said no. He's like, Nah, if you want to leave school, you gotta get a trade. And I was like, Well, I don't really want to be a builder. You know, dad's got screwed knees. Granddad had screwed knees. Um, and then, yeah, my granddad was in the Air Force, you know, when he was younger. And then my uncle was in, in the Air Force um, as when, when I was sort of a young kid. Um, they both sort of said to me, were like, what's the best thing you can do? Like, without having a student loan, getting a good income, getting trained. And let's be honest, you don't actually do anything really dangerous. Well, going to the Air Force. Um yep. So pretty much signed up, like didn't tell the parents, um, just sort of like rocked along to the recruiter's office, filled in the forms and was like, yeah, sweet, tick some boxes. Turns out six months into my Air Force career, I took the wrong job. Oops. Yep. Um, I was weren't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, we weren't, weren't paying attention probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't a bad mistake. Um, so I ended up training as an avionics engineer. Um, so that's all the electrical, air data, radar computery nerdy stuff on what the were you supposed to tick you wanted um, to fly air, the planes now nah, aircraft engineer oh okay yeah which is like all the mechanical engine side of things yeah i'm glad i made that mistake though um the good thing is there's hardly any of us trained in that in the air force so the good thing was you end up like flying around the world all the time because there's not many of you um so when i was at 40 squadron which is on the cargo planes and 757 i was pretty much doing back-to-back trips wow. so i'd like go to malaysia come back 24 hours off and then go to Singapore, come back, 
every time you go overseas with the Air Force, you get paid allowances for your incidentals. So food, you know, going out to, you know, grab some food and I don't know, you get like, I don't know, roughly a hundred bucks a day or something. Yeah. That's on top of your income. So because I was like... It's usually tax free too, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So essentially it was a good way of saving money and saving money pretty quick. I did like three or four years on 40 Squadron and then... Um, the cool thing about it was I ended up in like some real weird places. Um, I did six weeks down at Antarctica with the Americans, went to the South Pole, I've been to Iraq. Um, wow. You know, some real interesting stories. Yeah, I bet. For another day. Yeah. <laughs> All right, pod part two. Yeah. yeah, and then I guess during that time, like I had a spare, bit of spare time on my hands, so I was like training to get extra qualifications in the engineering space, but at the same time I was essentially doing as much as I could on the property space. I always knew I'd end up in property one way or another with family involved in property. So you're just learning about property? Yeah, property investment, time. going to every seminar I could find, listening, yep. you know, podcasts weren't around back then. Yeah, but, I was going to say, sure. Yeah. Reading, reading any books that I could find. Like I literally had a stack of books, eh? Um, and then, yeah, sort of time, time sort of ticked along and realised that I was sort of done in the Air Force around sort of eight, nine years. Just I, before we carry on, sorry, were you having to pay for accommodation when you were in the Air Force, or is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I just wondered because I, th- I wondered if they, like, when you're in the Air Force and Navy and stuff, I always wonder, do you then you get some of those allowances, you get your uh, income as well, then you've got a uniform, so you don't have those costs, and then do they pay for your accommodation? Or some people stay on site with army and stuff. I thought, yeah, yeah. Shit, there can't be much. It's like going mining. Uh, where you end up with an abundance of cash because they're providing your accommodation, which is one of the biggest expenses for people. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, with the Air Force, I moved up from Christchurch to Blenheim and then Blenheim to Auckland. And um, part of that, I had a partner at the time, we got what they call a married quarter. Um, and a married quarter is essentially like this old shitty house. Well, it was an old shitty house back in the day. You know, I reckon it was built in the 20s. Um, you know, I think it was more windy inside the house than it was outside. Wow. Um, and I think, I can't remember what it was, but it was something stupid, like 170 bucks a week. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. So you're able to save a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. So you're able to save a lot of money as well as earning extra money from going overseas all the time and sacrificing, I guess, that time with friends and family. Yeah. You know, most of my 20s was not down, you know, in Ponsonby getting on the turfs because I wasn't here. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't spending money. Um, I always knew that I wanted to save quite a lot of cash. Um, I was actually doing like all these random side gigs, like buying Broke, broken iPhones, fixing them, um, <laughs> flipping them on Trey Me. Yeah. There was a period of time that I was buying like $1 reserve queen beds. Okay. <laughs> like queen bed frames. You know, someone would take a photo of like this folded up bed frame in the corner of the room and you'd be like, sweet, I'll, I'll pick that up for a dollar. Borrow my mate's van to go pick it up and then like take a photo of it in the spare room in this Air Force house. <laughs> put some nice decor on it and it would sell for like three fifty. Wow. Yeah. And okay. so like, a few little hustles like that to like help save up the deposits. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I bought my first property when I was in the Air Force, which is in Hamilton that we talked about before. Used that 18 months later to buy an apartment um, in Auckland CBD. So just so people understand, so you built up the, there was enough equity in that Hamilton property yeah. to then be able to buy, to leverage off of that. Yeah, pretty and, much. Yeah, to then buy a property in Auckland as well, an apartment. Yeah. Yeah. And I was that person that took the risk. So yeah. I literally had 50k equity and I put a 50k deposit down on that property. Sure. That which was, was the equity. Yeah. Yeah. Which was an 18 month build time and knew that I had to save 50k in 18 months to be able to settle that property. We got you there. Were, you were selling some fucking bed frames. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. So, I mean, I, I definitely Probably remember offering trials to the bed frames when you're dropping them off. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, I literally had this beamer at the time, you know, the classic. 
22 year old male driving around in a five series beamer and I knew that I had to like save up for this deposit so I flicked the beamer for I don't know whatever it was 10 grand and picked up this $900 Nissan Primera and like I'm pretty sure this car was held together by moss yeah <laughs> so I was like so scared to wash it yeah in case like the moss like made the door fall off <laughs> wow <laughs> and like I actually ended up like selling that car for the pretty much the same money um, it was actually a deal with cash and some headphones that my mate bought from overseas. But <laughs> you never forget these deals, <laughs> do you? Yeah. yeah, it was just about like what could I do to get that cash to be able to like put this money into property. And I think that's the thing. Like people probably see me now, and you know, if you jump on my Instagram, it probably looks a little bit ridiculous. Um, but I didn't have time in my twenties to enjoy all that fun stuff because I was literally scraping every penny together to put it into property, or like putting it into, I guess, investing in myself. Mm. You know, I think, you know, I think where we met was obviously that mentoring course. Mm. Um, I literally only had 5K to my name at the time. Yeah. And put it all into the five, you know, put it all into that. And that was pretty much to just see if I could leverage that into the real estate side of things. So it's just about like, I don't see any point in investing in the property straight away if you can invest in yourself to increase your income to then help yourself better down the line. Yeah, I like it. But yeah, where are we at? So you got property number two. Yeah. Auckland apartment. That would have gone up 10x since then, surely. Oh, mate. Park, <laughs> yeah, apartments are the bane of my life, eh? Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, we bought that property for 509000 and I think the eval on it is like five forty. Wow. It's just about 10 years down the line. Is this with your current partner? Nah, so that was no. that was individually as well. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. So those two. Yeah, so yeah. We'd, I'd done those just before we met. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, about that time was when I got my real estate license, tapped into um, doing a bit of side stuff while I was in the Air Force. So I'd literally do like eight till four in the Air Force and then start picking up the phone, calling leads, trying to... Where were the leads coming from? Um, So I worked for a company at the time um, that literally gave us a database, which was awesome. And it was an investor company, so we'd like find them properties. So they'd sign up, would find them properties that matched. So essentially it was like being a property finder. Yeah. So I've never been a proper, I guess, a proper real estate agent um, in my whole life. Um, I started off as a property finder, a buyer's agent, finding properties for these people. They would say, I need a three-bedroom house in these areas. Go find me something under 800K. Yeah. That was, I'd go door knocking. I'd do, call every agent I could find and then try and negotiate the deal. Um, Where did the, like, why didn't you have any fear of knocking on the doors or ringing these numbers and shit? I think, like, the drive is more than the fear, right? Yeah. I wanted to be something, I wanted to be worth money. Um, I wanted to be worth something more than, I guess, average Joe. Yeah. And I think like once you realize that and what you have to do to get there, you just have to do it. You can't do average things. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise you get average things. Exactly, right? (laughs) So I think that's, yeah, I guess... I've never really been a full extrovert. Like I've always been slightly introverted. Um, but I know that to succeed in life, I have to force myself. Yeah. And I have to put myself in uncomfortable places. And I guess that's where, you know, we are now. I still to this day would love to be up at my batch right now by myself, you know, yeah. I'm with my family um, <laughs> and just chilling out and like not talking to anyone. But here you are on yeah, the pod. But here I am on the pod. <laughs> here I yeah. am, like you know, receiving eighty phone calls a day, talking to people all day, every day. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's real interesting. Like, you know, people blame those personality traits on not being successful, 
but I think you really have to just sort of use those to your advantage and see what can, you know, transpire from that. Yeah, nice. You got to do whatever it takes, right? If that, yeah. if you want like non-average things, and if you want things from your life, then you've got to figure out. Okay, well, if these characteristics or personality types aren't serving me well, well, unfortunately, it's probably not really going to matter. You've just got to dig in and figure out how to work against those things when you need to. Oh, exactly. And I think that's like it goes on to the next step. Um, when when I left the Air Force, um, with the, I pretty much went straight into working with a developer to sell stuff off the plants. So properties off the plans, it's like literally like we got a piece of paper in front of us and you'd be like, oh, do you want to buy this apartment? Yeah. Like the weirdest, like I still find it weird to this day. Like you've got to try and like show people what this property could be. Make them envisage it, envisage the space and all that sort of things. It's not like we can rock up to an open home and be like, hey, like Check this is out. what it looks like. Mm. We've got to like take you through the process of everything. Um, and it was quite interesting. I learned a lot in that job. I was only in it for three months before I got... Um, <laughs> Hit by a car cycling. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's the next step. Like, um, yeah, literally cycling down a road and someone ran a giveaway sign and I T-boned him. Doesn't sound dramatic at all, but um, yeah, burst my main artery in my arm and massive concussion. So I was off work for about 18 months. And I think like some going through something like that when you realise that you probably should have died, um, yeah. you quickly go, what am I doing? Um, I realised I didn't really want to be in that job. I liked the idea of it but I didn't like where I was. Yeah. Um, and I realized that there was, especially in property, there's people that do it for the right reasons and there's companies that are set up for the right reasons and then there's companies that are set up for cash flow. Yeah. Um, and I quickly realized I wanted to be with the good guys, you know, the guys looking after people and they're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and I guess, you know, I was off work for about 18 months and literally like went from, I guess, 85k a year in the Air Force to the six-figure role with this property developer um, to on the benefit. Wow. Like, literally, ACC would pay me, you know, every week. I'd turn up to doctor's appointments half the time. You know, I don't know if you've ever had a head injury, but it's pretty messed up. Like, yeah. you know, and I think it's seven years ago now, and, like, I'm still shattered, like, wow. you know, most days. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely trying. Um but I think the thing from that was like, I realized that, you know, from that, I was still wanted to be doing what I wanted to be on my terms. Um, yeah. Did you have to sell the properties in that time? Were you able to service them because the rent was still coming in? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So like, <laughs> during that time, actually, we actually bought another property. <laughs> Sheesh. Okay. Um, I'm not really sure how this, how we actually got approval for it, um, but we had we had the deposit. Um, this is... Kata and I's first property, so we literally were like, sweet, we, we probably can't spend too much. I think we actually had an approval at the time for like 800k, and this is, you know, that would probably be like 1.2 in today's dollars. And I was like, there's no way in hell we'll bu- we're buying a property worth that amount. Yeah. Are you, at this stage, are you buying for yourselves? Or yeah, so we, we decided a, that we were going to... an investment or to live in? Yeah, so we're going to buy a house to live in. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so we always knew that we wanted to buy something that we could at least make a bit on. Um, so whether it was a renovation or, I don't know, whatever at the time. Um, so we started like looking for properties and we knew that I wouldn't have been able to get the approval renewed um, just because of the, I think it was something to do with obviously the ACC payments coming to an end or something like that. Um, so we knew that essentially we had to buy with this current approval and 
go for gold. On the last day of our pre-approval, we found this property out in West Harbour that was like, it was like a little two-bedroom bungalow, like the classic like railway cottage looking place. And yeah, it was the classic like 60s decor, you know, bless the old lady that lived there, hadn't changed her furniture since the bloody 60s as well. And I said to Kelly, I was like, oh, I don't know, like I just don't have the time or the energy to put into this. And she's like, let's just go have a look at it. So that night we um, put an unconditional offer on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, We got a good price for it. And I think like one of my real estate agent mates at the time was like, he called me up and he's like, mate, did you get a property in West Harbour for a five? And I was like, yeah, we actually did. Yeah, like that was us. Little did he know like six months later we'd put an offer on another place with a four. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But that, that that one was just a renovation property. So um, we didn't move into this first home of ours for six weeks. Um, we kept renting. And we literally gutted the place. We, you know, made it spick and span. Keller's um, stepfather's a builder by trade, so he obviously took six, well, yeah. we made him take six weeks off work. Yeah. <laughs> and he helped us pretty much renovate it into, like, immaculate, um, which was epic. Um, I think we dropped 40G into it, um, but we probably increased the valuation by about 150. Wow. And then two and a half years later, we sold that, for seven fifty, and we bought it for five seventy five. Sheesh. Yeah. Nice. So, it was actually a really good purchase. Like as much as like looking back, I sort of hated it a little bit and hated the hard work. But I think at the time, like during the renovation, I would have been doing sixty hours in that place. Wow. Yeah. It was some hard graft. Yeah. And was Kayla into property when she met you? Um. No, nah, but she did. Like her her mum and stepfather like had essentially their whole childhood. I guess. Bought a place, renovated it, you know, sold it a couple of years later, bought a rundown place, renovated it, you know, yeah. I guess the classic, you know, yeah, yeah. mum and dad. Do them up. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, she was a little bit exposed to that side, of, but definitely not, I guess, as property heavy as my family. Yeah. She wasn't reading the 46 books that you had set yeah, aside. Yeah, there was <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Should I put that down, mate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely um, a few situations where we, she had to trust me. Yeah. And it paid off. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I bet you don't remind her of that at all. Oh no. <laughs> There's still one deal. So the next deal that we did was uh we literally did it as a trade deal, so a joint venture with Kayla's parents. Um and I, I literally negotiated the property and was like, I think we were going on we were literally we'd bought Kayla's parents a trip to Hawaii as a thank you for renovating this our first home. Yeah. And then I was like I said to Kayla, I was like, This is property around the corner. This is really run down. I turned up to the open home. The agent's like, oh, don't take your shoes off. Um, don't touch anything. It's disgusting. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. This is the this is my type of property. <laughs> I was like, I don't think agents should say that about a property, but, you know, I'll take this. She was actually a North Shore agent and um, dealing with this property out west, so I just don't think she liked it at all. Um, and so I just literally lowballed the hell out of this place and, like, got it for four ninety and once again, my mate calls me up and he's like, did you buy a house with a four? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that was us. We had a valuation on it at the time at 575. So I was like, nearly Sweet. 100k under valuation. Yeah. We literally knew that we could probably do the renovation for about 25k and it'd be worth about 650. Um, it was the last day of due diligence and we're actually in Hawaii on the holiday and we'd only looked at the property, I think, once or twice. And I said to Kayla's parents, I was like, do you guys want to do this? Because now it's the decision. And she's like, have you got finance? And I was like, yeah, yep. <laughs> yep. 
so the finance was pretty much me calling up a mate and he was like, yeah, yeah, we can get this sorted. We can't get it sorted today, but trust us, we can get you the approval. Yeah. Wow. And so I didn't tell them about that and they kept asking for the documents for about two weeks and I just kept not showing them. Um, but yeah, we we got early access for renovations as well. So that means like we hadn't owned the property and we were literally gutting everything out of the property. Shit. Um, to get even weirder, the lawyer calls me once we'd gutted the whole place and she's like, um, so the vendor passed away. Whoa. You haven't gutted the property yet, eh? And I was like, yeah, we have. She's like, what state is it? And I was like, if you can imagine like framing, that's the state of the property. And she's like, yeah, okay, like you've got two choices. You either stop now or you just keep going. And I was like, sweet, let's <laughs> keep going. Let's hope it doesn't get stuck in probate. Um, and we ended up like managing to get the renovation done and everything, have it on the market and we settled the property. Seven days later, we sold it. Shit. Yeah, and so we cleared a bit on that, and I think that's what um, took us to the next level, I guess. We we had a bit of profit from that. Obviously, when you're trading a property like that, as you know, you pay GST, you pay income tax. Yeah. So I think we made like 150 and pocketed 30 grand. Far out. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that's how much you literally get reamed. Yeah. Um. So, you know, admittedly it was 30 grand in three months, but it was... You know, I think I was probably working 60 to 70 hours on, on the property a week. So Yeah, and people would just look at the, what did you buy it for? What did you sell it yeah. for? That That's the classic sort of level of people's understanding of buying and trading and flipping property, right? People just think, oh, sweet, it's all just straight profit. Yeah, and you can imagine like that deal of all deals could have turned completely pear-shaped. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't mind a risk. <laughs> nah. Yeah. So then have you gone on and just brought more properties as the equities increased and, and sort of just brought and hold? Yeah, so I think like... You know, I always like to clarify to, especially my clients, like, you, it's really hard to get to 10 properties. Like, the only way you can really do it is if you have good income. Um, and I think that's where, like, obviously me building the real estate business has, you know, built my income. And that's where, like, you know, we have been able to buy more because we've got the income servicing. Um, for most people, like, to have two to three properties is awesome. Yeah. And I think that's where, like, most people should be aiming and, Obviously, if you're in a nine-to-five job, that's probably where you're going to end up stopping. Um, so, yeah, pretty much in our position, you know, we started earning pretty good money. And obviously with COVID, you know, house prices went up. We had a spare equity, so we just kept buying property because we knew, obviously, property was going up. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that's where we are now, pretty much. So, yeah, just sort of kept ticking them up. and So it's a 10-year journey or a little yeah, bit Yeah, pretty much. I think it must have been 20... I must have been 21, so yeah, 11 years now. Wow, so yeah. nearly a property a year. Yeah. And you've done some trades in that time as well. Yeah, so it's... Yeah. it's These new tax yeah. rules, are they going to... Uh, they they change your thinking around anything? I think the thing with them is like, people are freaking out about them. I think as long as you know and you're talking to your accountant and you know what the costs are going to be, there's like, I don't see the point in selling a property, paying 20 grand in real estate agent fees know because yeah. the properties for us that I guess are outside of that rule are like my Hamilton property or my apartment I'm never going to sell an apartment and technically I can't really sell my own properties um, but I'd have to end up paying a real estate agent to do them or to do the best justice out of them um, yeah. you know to pay $20,000 or something on a real estate agent fee on the Hamilton property I might as well ride those losses for a couple of years anyway yeah and what about tax on the any bright line rules for you um, or are most of them? No, nah, all of them are holds. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yep. like, 
Oh, but if you were to sell some of them. Yeah, so yeah. some of them were in the two-year Brightline rule, some of oh, them gotcha. are But because all we buy is new builds. Yeah. I think that's quite a cool thing. Like, yeah. you know, the, the two properties that we bought were existing were, you know, one a trade property and one was our first home. So I invest in new builds and always have since 2001. So yeah. I think that's the cool thing when I tell a client, like, I was, I was doing it before it was cool. And do you do all <laughs> your own property management? Nah, nah. So, no. um, nah, not at all. I haven't to this date. Um, yeah. However, I did put notice in on one of on my Hamilton property after I met the Keyhook guys last week. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we had a pretty good yarn. So nice. Who'd you meet with there? Both them. Oh yeah, yeah, Sam and Luke. Wicked. Yeah. You learned about them through the pod. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There we Remember go. Remember, I told you for the invite. That's the intro. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got an intro. Yeah. yeah. I went oh. down to Wellington and I had a good yarn with them. And oh, honestly, I re- like don't get me started about property managers, but oh, it's revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Take my money. Wow, you, yeah. wanted, you probably wanted to invest in it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I bet you're asking about that. You, I mean, you obviously love like that. The like property was probably your first love, but then you've got into the business side as well, and it's probably you've used property as the vehicle to completely change what's possible in your life, right? From that 15 year old or even 16 year old lad that's like, I'm fucking done with school, but I don't want to be doing a trade, and yeah. then you've just gone for 15 or 16 years figuring out. What, what's actually possible out there. Yeah, I think for me it's the safety net. Yep. Like, it's something to fall back on. Like, property typically doesn't go to zero, you know, mm. as like, um, you know, business can, you know, a lot, a lot of things. <laughs> Bitcoin <laughs> Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, my shield portfolio is not looking that great. Um, yeah. And I think that's the thing for me, like, if I put 100% of my effort into property, I understand property, I know I can look at a deal like that and be like, boom, done. Yeah, because you've studied it so hard. Yeah. Yeah, you're like a student of it. You're now a master of, like a teacher of it, basically. Yeah, I feel bad sometimes because there was definitely a couple of purchases that I forgot to tell Keller about. Um, And I was like, oh, yeah, we actually bought this property six months ago. I'm sorry. (laughs) Wow. Whoopsies. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she trusts me. Yeah. Yeah. I think she knows that, like, I wouldn't wouldn't put us in a position where we would lose our house um, or our livelihoods. Yeah. So she knows that, you know, if I'm doing something, I believe it's the right decision at the right time and I believe that it's going to be a good one um, or it's not going to put us to zero. So with the property market slowing down and just everything kind of creaking a little bit, has it put a strain on your ability to service any of those properties, like those sorts of things, or have you had any revelations through you probably want to take more holidays because the phone's just not ringing as much? Like what's happening in your world? It's it's real interesting. I like We're still really busy um. yeah like the phone's still ringing we're still meeting clients every week like people want to transact yeah Um, it's more the banks just you know the banks and the government regulation, re- regulations regulations that are like literally screwing people at the moment yeah. people want to buy a house you know investors are buying Um, but people just can't get access to the people, credit yeah pretty much okay. and I think that's the thing like what we're sort of telling people at the moment is like now's actually the time to be buying like you know, there was definitely times in 2021 where I was, you know, telling clients, like, is this really the time that you want to be buying? Like, you're, you're stretching. Probably peak, peak you know, bubble, yeah. Yeah, and, like, well, everyone was talking about it, right? Like, mm. at some point, this is going to end. We don't know when it is. Um, but then it's always it's always in the New Zealand market as well that, like, when everything slows down, everyone goes, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, it's the opposite of Briscoe's, right? You always go to Briscoe's when a sale's on because they always 
Yeah. Always have a sale on. Um, <laughs> no one wants to buy the top and no one wants to buy the bottom, right? Yeah, it's so weird, eh? Mm. Like, um, but the weird thing is everyone was buying at the top, um, yeah. but now it's at the, you know, we hope the bottom, and no one's really buying. Yeah. Um, FOMO. FOMO, yeah. Yeah. What do you see f- uh, happening in the economy over the next... <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> yeah. Let me just run my crystal ball away. <laughs> yeah. 12 to 24 months even. I think it's... It's one of those things, eh? like, you know, even when they kicked in the LVR changes in 24 to 2016, you know, everyone thought it was the end of the world. Um, it's never as bad as everyone envisages. Or at least you don't realise how bad it was until afterwards. Um, there's definitely hurt out there at the moment. There's definitely people struggling to pay their mortgages. And, you know, I guess the thing for a lot of Kiwis is they've got to realise that Sometimes you just don't need the avocado on toast, you know. Hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you can skimp out on some stuff. Like, I think a lot of Kiwis, especially like our generation, they don't actually know what a tough market is. Mm. You know, they don't know what it's like to not order Uber Eats every week. Yeah. Um, it's, I think people just need to realise and listen to keep the change. Hey. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I guess make the choices that are going to get them through. Because sometimes it doesn't make sense to not like to sell the property when you could cut back on, you know, do you actually need an unlimited mobile phone data plan as well as a broadband connection? Yeah. When all you do is sit on your phone at home anyway. Mm. Um, yeah, there's there's a few things people, in, I guess, need it's, to make that realisation. It's a good point. I need to think about my Wi-Fi at home. Do I actually need that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like at home we've got like hyperfiber, which is like four gig download. And I'm like... I don't even work from home anymore. Yeah. Pay 200 bucks a month for this. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think as well, you can take lessons from your hunger through your early days where you were looking for a deal. And I know that you're still like this because I'm pretty sure you sent me some golf clubs that you found. That you <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? Fuck, I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> But, you know, you were always looking oh. as a younger fella for a way to, to make a dollar right. And yeah. I there's two really good lessons in this that I think people will overlook and miss and one is that there's so much money out there if you can figure out how to fill that demand right yeah 100% and then secondly it's the unspoken about thing that makes a lot of people successful in New Zealand and achieve the things that they want is to learn how to sell and negotiate and you know you can walk in and go shit I'm gonna I'm gonna lowball this some people will go oh that's disgusting you know whereas you're like well hang on like this is my craft this is my job yeah I had someone message me today oh, I've been offered a pay rise it's only four percent you know do I just cop that and I'm like well, what's the worst that can happen just oh. you know go back and say hey you if know? you haven't had a hundred no's eh like yeah you're gonna get a yes right um and I think that's the thing that's like I guess people would say it's cheeky um people would say it's you know I guess a little bit rude but you go to any other culture around the world and like you know, they literally screw in each other. Yeah. Um, but they get the best deals. And I think that's the thing, you know, Kiwi sort of, I guess, putting it bluntly, like, just take it. Um, or they take it for gospel, you know, and just sort of, I guess, ride that wave. Um, where I think I'm, I love getting a no. You know, like, I love getting told, come back later. Like, you know, we're not doing it. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, obviously it gets a little bit draining after a while, but mm. 
you know, there's no, nothing I find more fun than like jumping on Facebook Marketplace and wriggling a deal. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I think that goes to the golf clubs thing. It was like literally on an organic day, <laughs> you know, yeah. managed to sell them for 300 bucks. So you found a pair of golf clubs on the side of the road. Yeah. Yeah. Two, them up. two pairs. Two, two pairs. Yeah. Two pairs, chucked them on trading, dollar reserve, and got $150 buy now within five minutes. For both of uh, them? For one of them. Oh, wow. And then the other one, I think, was, yeah, 200 or something. Yeah. And it's, you. I reckon people have to train their mind to try and figure out where the, the income is, right? Yeah. Because we don't get taught it in New Zealand. It's like, no, 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 you know, it is skimp on the things and try and, can you cut back your costs and stuff? But, you know, you've turned a dollar or your own time into 350 bucks there. Yeah. Or 300. Or a little bit of dignity because it's... You know, I was literally running down the road with two club, golf clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you've got to be willing to do it, right? And yeah. I think that's when people will actually take action is when the pain starts coming where they're like, okay, I need to do something differently here. Yeah. And it's like me and Mark, we were talking earlier in the year and I literally said to him, I was like, mate, like, trade me had free selling on Saturday and we just went through the garage and put everything we don't use or haven't used in three months on trade me and we generated like 1500 bucks. Sweet. You know, and it was like, that was literally money sitting in the garret. Yeah. You know? I think it was like the most arbitrary stuff too. Like, So I think, um, yeah, it's like people don't really know what there is until there's a demand for it. Mm. And I think it goes back to, you know, like selling queen beds when I was younger. Yeah. You know, it's like, of course no one's going to look at a pile of wood on the floor and buy that for good money because they don't know what it looks like. And so if there's a way of like repurposing something or you know, marketing it better. Yeah. Because that's essentially all we do in business, right, is we out-market the developers and out, I guess, handhold the developers in their space and help the home buyers through the property journey. That's all we're doing, mm. realistically. And, people, and you get remunerated for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mate, that has been a hour 10. Oh, of Jesus. Easy, easy for you, mate. Hey, we could have gone for bloody hours. We might have to get on for a part two at some stage. But if people want to check you out, so smproperty.co.nz. Yeah. Yes. Sold me property, that's what it means, eh? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. Don't, just don't hit me up on the road. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok as well. I noticed, I think you've got minimal Google reviews on your uh, Oh, we only set up the Google business like month or two ago oh, okay yeah. you better get an email out to all of your database and say if you have used us could you please fill this out yeah definitely I have definitely be good I have listened to that next advisory podcast good man <laughs> you're learning I thought we'd just give you a little bit of a telling off whilst you're here mate thank you for that that has been bloody insightful uh, as I said if people want to get in touch with Scotty smproperty.co.nz look you up on Instagram uh, you can drop you a message I'd imagine yeah. you'll yeah, you'll be uh, you'll be fine to get back to a few DMs. Yeah, definitely. Be any parting words for the people out there, mate? Nah, I think I think that's the main thing. Like, you know, jump on our Instagram. We're we're trying to go heavy on the content, of, like helping the first home buyers. And yeah, any ideas that help us out? You know, I don't have a problem sitting in front of a camera and spinning out some yarns. So nice. Um, anything that you guys think would be helpful, feel free to flick into the DMs as well and just say, hey, do this. Let's we need information on this, and hopefully we can help you out. Yeah, very wise, mate, because I did a poll recently on Keep the Change Instagram where I was asking, have you brought a home or are you looking to? And there's a whole heap of people sitting there that are waiting to buy. And I'd imagine they probably have no idea where to start. But that's the gap that you've filled effectively, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think, oh, yeah, and the guides that we um, sent out to the database as well. That's right. So on our website, if you go um, resources, there's a first home buyer's guide, a guide to the client or a first home partner. There's an investor's guide. There's a guide about doing due diligence on a new build. 
there's something else. Um, but yeah, you can jump on, download those. Promise we won't hassle you, but we'll send you the guides. You can click back any questions that you got, and yeah. Just like that, you can learn something and then get started in your own property journey. Thanks, mate. I'm sure we'll do this again at some stage. Yeah, probably. <laughs>